everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Textile Talks podcast, where we chat to experts and pioneers from the education arena and the workplace. Our goal is to bring you tried and trusted strategies and best practices to make your journey towards building a more accessible and inclusive organisation easier. So if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to our podcast through your podcast player or streaming service so you never miss an episode. You can search for Textile Talks and you should find us. So today you're hearing from me, Donna Thompson, Marketing Manager at Textile, and I'm joined by Claire Rucroft, Content Designer at Content Design London. Claire has a background in linguistics and experience in design practices and has a keen interest in all things content, usability, accessibility and language. She cares deeply about accessibility and inclusive design and how the words we use impact experience. So today we'll be talking about the role of content when it comes to digital accessibility and we'll be sharing practical advice to help you to become more inclusive with your content. So first up Claire, hi, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Hi Donna, thank you so much for that lovely introduction. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Great. Okay, well, I think the last time we worked together actually was on a webinar with AbilityNet back in September last year, if you can remember that far back. Gosh, yeah, that was such a long time ago now. Like, uh, yeah, summer again. I'm delighted for summer. So, yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I think ever since the pandemic, dates just become a little bit blurry when you think back. Yeah, there's no, like time doesn't really exist anymore. Exactly. But the sunshine makes everything better now, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Just uh, it's very tantalizing looking out my window just now. <laughs> just want to be out there instead of inside, isn't that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, listen, let's talk about accessibility and usability. So, mm-hmm. I guess a good place to start is by talking through the differences between these terms. Mm-hmm. So, can you maybe tell us what we actually mean by accessibility and usability? Yeah, of course. So, um, as I understand it, and uh, as web accessibility is understood it's about a universality and making something that can be used by as many people as possible Uh, I'd say it's also a legal requirement uh, well particularly in the UK I can't speak for the rest (laughs) the rest of the world and their particular laws but um, certainly within the UK it's a legal requirement and it is absolutely everyone's responsibility so really everyone has a, a duty to uh, to make a real difference within this space. But then also you have usability. So usability is a measure of how well a specific user within a specific situation or context can use a product or service to achieve a goal that like effectively, efficiently and satisfactorily. Now, if we think about that definition of usability and then the definition that I just gave you of accessibility, um, and I don't know about you guys, but um, I'm not really seeing that much difference. Mm-hmm. If you if you if you think that your site is accessible, then or if you think your site is usable, then it must by definition be accessible. Mm-hmm. If you if you only have if you have one, then you must have the other. Because by definition, if someone with uh, an access need cannot use your website, mm-hmm. then it's not it's not usable. So mm-hmm. that's how I would define the two. They are kind of in they are inextricably linked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they go hand in hand, really, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. You mentioned legislation there, and I think there are a lot of countries now uh, making accessibility, Mm -hmm. legislating accessibility now all around the world. Mm -hmm. So the UK for sure, North America for sure. So we'll probably see that, you know, as as the time goes on. It's like snowballing, really. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Exactly. So I guess, uh, you know, when we look at the factors that affect both accessibility and usability, there's lots that can come into play. Um, Mm -hmm. Thinking about the coding behind a Mm -hmm. website or the design elements actually Mm -hmm. on the site, even the language on the site Mm -hmm. and the way that content has been structured on the page. Mm. But people often forget about all of these moving elements. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things that I would always say about content design is um, it's a team sport. I can't I can't do my job to the best of my ability without a great team and it's all those things that you just mentioned there so it's about the code it's about the design it's it's about the content all of these play a factor in creating usable accessible content and so for example you've got the color contrasts you need to have you need to be adhering to the WCAG guidelines of like having good color contrasts and and being aware that people have various access needs around being able to access content that that has um that has that in in its uh by its nature but i will also say like there are certain things like don't just use color to convey meaning like that's not a useful way of demonstrating uh content or getting information across so mm-hmm. a particular example here would be like a pie chart for example if you're sharing a pie chart to someone who is colorblind and that's the only kind of uh means of conveying a certain like data set or bit of information mm-hmm. that that's rendering that content inaccessible to them Mm-hmm. So just one example there, I suppose. Yeah, you mentioned a pie chart and we were talking before we started the recording about uh, printing things off. Oh, yeah. And often, you know, you, you print something off and it's going to be in black and white. So you mm-hmm. print off a pie chart, you know, that's inaccessible to everyone, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Another example. Yeah. <laughs> so really designing for accessibility is about designing for everyone. Um, it is going beyond coding for a website, uh, you know, thinking mm-hmm. about just screen readers. Mm-hmm. It is bigger than that. Um, So let's take a look at where content and design really comes into play. So before we delve into the content, let's uh, start looking at inclusive design. So can you tell us uh, or talk us through some of the design elements that affect accessibility and usability? Um, So I'd say it's it's around like understanding your users and and really understanding how they behave with their content or with your content and having an understanding of uh, how people read online. I mean, we were we were talking about that before, and like in particular with the with the paper. Like, um, people don't like say, for example, if you've got a newspaper, people behave very differently with a newspaper or a magazine than they do with content that's online. So mm-hmm. even just having a like an understand a basic understanding of how people are interacting with your content will in it in itself make your content more accessible. So I'm thinking here, for example, and I'm I'm sorry for the people that, um, or for particularly for those writers who really spend so much time. I am one of them. I spend so much time on my content, but really the reality is that you spend all this time literally for someone to 
scan it <laughs> yeah. they will not read it and or it's it's more that it's more about being creating content that is uh structured in a way that engages people whilst they are scanning to be like okay you are giving me what I want I will mm-hmm. I will I will give you my time and I will read it properly so just having an understanding of how people interact and scan and go through your page is, is well worth um, thinking about when we're thinking about accessible content. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking back as well, you know, whenever you talked about the low colour con- contrast, mm. um, I learned recently that uh, low colour contrast is the most common accessibility error, actually, on mm. uh, websites. Uh, so it was a web aim 1 million study where they tested 1 million websites for accessibility and found that 86% of home pages had low color contrast. Mm. Um, you know, we can share the link to the report in the show notes afterwards because it is such an interesting read. And, you know, there, there are tools, uh, you know, online that can help us yeah, uh, to, to know whether the, the color meets the, the contrast rules or not. Okay, so it's great to get a better understanding of how design helps us to see content. But uh, I know there's a lot more that we can do to be inclusive to different audiences. Isn't that right? Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's in terms of like just thinking about your even your language, like just think about, for example, I mean, we I I was working on this today. Uh, We just even things like being really clear in your language like don't don't just have jargon for the sake of jargon or don't use colloquialisms in the service of tone like for example I came across something today where it was something along the lines of uh oh this might send you or this might put your tail in the spin or mm-hmm. this might send your head spinning because it's so essentially trying to say oh this is a confusing process like we know mm-hmm. that um but whenever I see those kinds of things, what I would say is, firstly, don't tell your user how they feel because they already know how they feel. What you can do is tell them what they can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, to the kind of colloquialisms, that's quite a tongue twister, that one. <laughs> <laughs> to the colloquialisms and, uh, and to the jargon kind of um, argument, I suppose, is who who does everyone understand what you're saying are you 100 mm-hmm. percent sure that everyone you are including everyone by using that kind of language because I would I would definitely wager that there are some people who don't understand what you're saying and even if English is their first language they might they may well not understand but certainly for people who have uh who are like second language speakers whatever language it is that, that they're reading it in they probably won't understand. I constantly have this kind of running dialogue with a friend of mine who's from Indonesia and she doesn't, she doesn't understand half the things I say to her. Like it's, it's a, she's a lovely reminder for my kind of content design sensibilities. (laughs) Great. So you mentioned language a lot there. So I know uh, there's structure, there's format, there's language. Mm -hmm. Uh, alongside uh, so many other things that we can do. So let's take a look at some of the practical things that we can do under the each of these mm. umbrellas. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we think about structure, um, mm. and we're talking about the way that content is laid out on the page, yeah. isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, maybe... sorry, go on. <laughs> oh, I was just going to ask, you're, you're probably intuitively going to do this anyway, but uh, can you maybe give us some best practice examples around the structure and, and tell us a little bit about why they are so good or what makes them so good? 
Yeah. So again, it's uh, it's so nice chatting to you about this at the end of the day because I've actually just been doing this in my kind of in my day so far. Um, oh, I've been uh, I've been sort of coaching some people into using into creating great headings and headings are so so important um for usable accessible content um if I could just delve a little deeper into headings for a second so headings are literally they as I was mentioning before you've got users that don't spend the time actually reading your content headings are super important for them to be able to just kind of whiz through and sort of zip down the page and see oh, okay I've got the gist you are actually going to give me what I want um and then just sort of digging down a little deeper into headings make sure that you front load them don't um it, it's usually much better to have action orientated um headings that are front loaded versus uh, having a question as a heading because actually then if you front load your headings you're putting in your keywords actually at the start you're making it much easier for someone to scan because they could they can kind of hit that word first um an example that i came across today was uh you know the cost of a of visiting a university um why would you do it as opposed to um my suggestion was well, why don't you put it uh, more more in line with evaluate the cost of visiting university or something to that effect um mm-hmm. content sign on the fly here um half past five in the evening this is good but there's one example of um of kind of structure so mm-hmm. use your headings and use them well because they are really going to tell your user whether they are in the right place and if they're not that's fine you can kind of mm-hmm. they can go on the merry way and then merry search for something else yeah so the headings also, themselves really need to tell the story yeah absolutely uh-huh. um I mean I had a really fun example of this a couple of weeks ago when I was I had a really great pair writing session with um with uh, someone who is insanely knowledgeable about data science and like his brain is very different to mine <laughs> um, and he was very much the expert and I was very much the content designer in that situation mm-hmm. but we sort of got through most of the session uh with me just kind of writing everything that he was telling me and then I sort of took a breather and I took a step back and I was like hang on a minute I haven't got any headings in this oh wow <laughs> and uh and I was like oh just just told that thought right now like I've got to make this I've got to make this like you know digestible for someone mm-hmm. um so yeah just something to bear I in guess mind headings are easy that we can add them in at the end you know if we're in the yeah. flow of writing the content yeah we can take a stand back and go which bits do we want to really pick out and highlight and make the story yeah. make sense with the headings yeah. yeah one way that you can structure your content and and produce it is to just kind of do a complete like brain dump get it all out and then you and then you sort of start to piece together the structure and like mm-hmm. say, oh, okay, right, heading here, heading here, heading here. But another way that you can do it, if you're not quite sure and you've got that horrid kind of blank page of doom <laughs> staring <laughs> at you, another way that I've seen people do it is they do their headings first and then mm-hmm. they they kind of get the flow that way as well. So just mm-hmm. two approaches there for you. Because it but depends it, what suits, you know, yeah, you as a writer, yeah, what, where you yeah. feel more comfortable starting yeah. your kind of writing yeah. journey. Uh-huh. But, uh, but yeah, another, to your other point, white space is mm. um, so, so, so important um, in terms of how you structure your content. Um, yes, 
the content itself is absolutely very important. But mm-hmm. from a kind of brain perspective, if you are going into a piece of content and all you see or all your eyes can like see and sort of take in is just like a wall of text mm-hmm. that immediately sort of sends a signal to your brain being like, oh, my God, this is re- going to be really hard. I don't want to yeah. do this. Like it's the like, cognitive, ouch. yeah, the ouch, <laughs> Before you read anything. Yeah, the ouch, uh-huh. the kind of, oh God, I don't want to read this at all. Like, um, it's it's sort of immediately, it's giving you a signal of, this is going to take a lot of my mental processing power to get mm-hmm. through this. Whereas mm-hmm. from like, when you're designing content, you've you've got to be mindful of, of, of that and making sure that you give your content enough space to breathe just like and just kind of send that signal to your user that this is going to be easy this is going to be okay like Mm -hmm. and and there are various ways that you can do that and depending on the on the content that you're delivering if it's quite a complex process then you might want to use something such as called uh progressive disclosure which is basically where you kind of withhold information and you kind of stagger it basically so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of being mindful of not not overloading basically, yeah. and just like kind of being overloaded. very yeah, being very yeah. staggered about it. Mm-hmm. It depends on your content and the the need of your users. Mm-hmm. You've made me think just when you were talking about white space there about the dyslexia font. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but mm-hmm. um, that font in itself needs a little bit more room than other fonts just because of the way the weight is distributed on the letters. Yeah. I'm just thinking about, you know, you can change, our users can change the fonts on our websites. You know, we don't have any control of that. Uh, They're going to do that to suit their own needs. And uh, we need to give the words even room to breathe within the space that we've provided for the content. There's a lot to think about, isn't there? There is so much. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, listen, let's move on to format then. So mm. we, uh, and we're talking about the different ways that we can share content. So like written content uh, in a blog or audio formats, like mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. podcast that we're on now, for example. And we know that not every format suits every person because we all process information differently. Uh, you know, some people will find it easier to understand by listening and others through taking the time to read every word and soak in all the details. Mm-hmm. But for some, they don't have that choice mm. uh, so for example a person who is blind really does rely on being able to hear mm. the content so what are some of the things that we would need to consider when it comes to format so again it depends on your users needs and like the content that you're producing but for example if like like we are if we're, if we're on a podcast mm-hmm. then my advice would always be provide a transcript alongside it because Yes, we may have a a certain section of our audience who have that access need of, okay, they may not be able to hear it so well, but then they can certainly still access the content and get the same experience from reading um from from reading what was what was discussed in the podcast. Mm -hmm. But also you have people who are just busy (laughs) and they may not necessarily have time to to read um oh sorry to um to listen to half an hour 45 minutes of a mm-hmm. of a podcast to really get to the nuts and bolts of what it is that they're they're looking for i know i certainly had a situation like that recently and i was actually really frustrated that the thing that it was that it was i think it was a podcast and they didn't have a transcript 
And I was mm. like, I don't have time like to listen. Yeah. Like I, I need, I need my answer now. <laughs> like yeah. users don't like, we just don't have, pa- we don't have the patience really. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to leave and go somewhere else. So that's one example. It's funny. I had a very similar example recently, just situational. And it was in the hairdressers, obviously very noisy environment. Yeah. And I'm flicking through my social media and I come across an author who I follow mm-hmm. promoting a new book. And I'm yeah. thinking, I need to hear this video. I need to hear what she's saying. Mm-hmm. Press play, no subtitles. And of course I couldn't no. hear because of the busy environment yeah. that I was in. And I was dying to learn about the new book, you know, but it yeah. just shows you that uh, the situation definitely has a massive impact yeah. on being able to access the content and make it usable. Yeah, you've just reminded me as well. Um I find it interesting. One of my favorite authors, she still does this and I, I don't know whether or not she knows so Instagram as an example they do actually offer alt text on their images now or at least that's my experience within the app um like that is an option mm-hmm. but for this um poet that I follow she still does like she sort of does her regular caption of whatever it is that she wants to say on her images mm-hmm. but then she still within her text kind of caption she does alt descriptions within the main body of the of the of the caption, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, which in itself, actually, I quite like because again, it's still it's enabling people who actually have that access need to access it in a, in a different way. It's not necessarily even from a from a screen reader perspective that mm-hmm. they have to access it that like that. They can still like that's still a lovely way for them to like access the content in that mm-hmm. way as well if that makes sense providing <laughs> options isn't yeah, it it's giving exactly. the, the person that's accessing the information the choice to yeah. access it in different ways you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah alt tags um actually were mentioned in the webium report again and i promise <laughs> i'm not on any commission from webium <laughs> by mentioning the report but i really did find it quite interesting um so alt tags or missing alt tags is the second most common mm. um, accessibility error on websites with over 60% of homepages in this particular study <laughs> uh missing alt uh tags so uh you know it just it seems crazy doesn't yeah, it that, that, that you know so many are missing but and I know that some content um management systems yeah. will will prompt you to, to put mm. in alt tags but not all of them do so yeah I guess we just need to get into that habit don't we of if we're uploading an image we've got to mm-hmm. also add a description because it just makes sense doesn't it yeah and my my advice would be always check your CMS and see if this uh, functionality is available. I'll hold my hands up here and say I'm, I'm not particularly Cody, um, but uh, get, a, get a nice developer on site and they will definitely help you out with this as well. But check your CMS. And mm-hmm. one thing that you can use, if your image isn't, um, if it's just purely decorative, then you can still add uh, into the alt tag uh, input box just a double quotation mark which signals to the screen reader you can skip this you can just ah. skip on on down uh, skip over this and it'll it'll minimize the kind of horrid interruption of them reading out the file name as the alt tag 
yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's one tip. But as I say, do check your CMS. Like it, it may have it may have that functionality or it may not. Mm-hmm. So it's just worth worth. I didn't know you could do that. I've learned something new, Claire. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, that is uh, that is passed on from my lovely boss Sarah Winters. I learned that one from her, and I was very proud, and very pleased yeah. to go back to my. My desk with that wee tip. <laughs> a little learning, isn't it? I'll pass it on to someone too. Now, so yeah. Thank you for that. Okay, well, listen, we talked about language slightly, but um, let's talk about it again. And uh, Because this is something that many people tend to forget about or focus less on uh, when it comes to uh, the website, but it is so important. Um, for example, we know the average reading age in the UK is just nine years old. Mm. So content creators really need to be mindful of the words that they use in their writing. Mm. What are your thoughts on this, Claire? Um, yeah, absolutely agree. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's kind of touching on what I said before in terms of like you, like, so yeah, you've got your jargon and your kind of colloquialisms, like be mindful of those, but even just like um, your sentence structure, keep that really simple. Like, mm-hmm. I think studies have shown that after about 24 words in it, within a sentence, your comprehension starts to drop a lot. Yeah, <laughs> take a nosedive. <laughs> it's like, because after 24 words, your your brain is still r- really hanging on to the, to, the, to the start of the sentence mm-hmm. to like, okay, right, I'm hanging on, I'm hanging on, I'm hanging on. <laughs> oh, I can't do it anymore. Like, you yeah. just, you lose the thread. So mm-hmm. have really short sentences. Make it easy for people to understand. Like, that's just one, like want content tip for free I suppose (laughs) um but yeah I mean it's just be really clear and um that's one thing I would say certainly and be human really you know it's a Mm. conversation isn't it you know make it conversational Um, absolutely I was I was saying that today to um one of one of my clients uh we were talking in particular around like tone of voice and Mm -hmm. like that and if that's a kind of whole kettle of fish in in, in and of itself but I said to them think about are you talking at your audience Mm. or to your audience and and it's exactly as you're saying there Donna like it's it is that conversation it's that dialogue I was what I was trying to say is like I was trying to really encourage them to say you're not you're not lecturing them on yeah like you're actually just kind of you're sitting side by side with them and you're kind of going through it with them like yeah. that's that's our job as content designers and producers to yeah. to really kind of guide people I think we can forget that human element I know it sounds silly mm. when we're writing content you know especially oh, yeah. in marketing you know I think about the terms that we use whenever we talk about our audience we talk about audience personas mm. users mm-hmm. we forget their people you know yeah. and that's really who we're talking to and the important yeah. thing is we want them to understand what we're saying you know yeah I think I think in some ways uh, that's why I do like it that yes so users are apps users absolutely are humans but within our industry we, we refer to them as users but I think mm-hmm. that that term in and of itself is actually really ha- helpful to kind of frame oh, sorry you've got my linguist brain going here but <laughs> <laughs> it's a really helpful way to frame thinking about our work because we call them users purely for the fact of can they use it mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. from a yeah definitely from a human element as well I don't necessarily think that users covers that kind of 
emotional aspects the more holistic view of like the, that kind of human side of it but mm-hmm. um but yeah that is something that was always in the background for yeah. well, certainly for me anyway just nice to have that wee reminder that there's humans that we're talking to isn't it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> So I want to pick up on something that you said earlier about jargon, because Mm. I know there are some instances where jargon really seems unavoidable. And I'm Mm. thinking really, you know, in terms of either the tech industry that I work in myself, there's lots Mm. of technical terms that we use and support articles that we write. And we find it difficult to avoid using, you know, those sort of technical jargon words. So do you have any advice that you would give to content writers in these instances? Yeah, I would just say that, when you have difficult terms or things that are new to your audience or they may even be familiar to a certain section of your audience and that's that's fine but when you have people that are coming in and that aren't familiar with those terms then it's just take the time to explain it just the first time that you use it mm. because say for example a different approach might be using like a glossary um, my my argument, or at least my experience, my own experiences of that is actually it's it takes it takes a lot more like mental kind of processing power to like understand to kind of flip back and forth mm-hmm. between. Uh, so what does that mean again? I'm thinking mm-hmm. specifically here about the fact that I very recently bought a house and I went through a lot. A lot of legal documents. <laughs> That's not pretty language. No, it really wasn't. And there was lots of glossaries. <laughs> and that really, like, yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny being a content designer sometimes because I just end up yelling at things, <laughs> various things that I come across in my day-to-day life, being like, why have you not made this more usable? And Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's at least my own experience. Explain mm. something the first time you use it and... Yeah, mm-hmm. then that's a bit the nicest and easiest and most inclusive way to get people on side, I would say. That makes sense. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, okay, with that in mind, then uh, what advice would you give to content writers that maybe find it challenging to maintain, you know, that balance between writing for their industry's tone of voice and really writing to be as inclusive as they can? I would say it's a kind of kind of links back to what I was saying before about that kind of tone of voice aspect so if you're thinking about tone of voice then really that depends on two factors it depends on your your brand and the Mm -hmm. kind of the sector that you're you're in but it also depends on your users and you can kind of play within this space of your so tone of voice is like a sliding spectrum really um, so if we take an example of like finance, um, the finance sector, that's mm-hmm. a really um, serious topic. You you don't want to mess around with uh, being all casual or here's some fun facts about money. No, people don't <laughs> want to be entertained. People just want to know what like where you're, what you're doing with their money uh, or yeah. with your money, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but you can still have uh, a sense of understanding and convey a sense of um, we we understand where you are where you've come from. Like maybe it, well, for, uh, I'm just going to lean on my mortgage um, experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, like for example, you might be looking at looking at various various mortgage products, and and like as a first time buyer, that can be quite daunting. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But you can still have content that is informative, uh, matter of fact, and but at the same time, friendly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's it, and it's still very much inclusive in that way. That it's mm-hmm. it's not it's it's not um, condescending to you. It's it's not patronizing you, but it is giving you all the tools that you need to understand what what it is that all the things that you need to have in order to get a mortgage for as just yeah. as an example yeah so yeah I guess knowing we don't need to write in a very formal way anymore you know I guess mm-hmm. it does go back to being conversational what would you actually say to the person if they were sitting in front of you and you had to read out the glossary or you know the terms yeah. and conditions of your mortgage how would that sound if you read those words out I know uh, out loud you know probably awful I know that is that is absolutely one of the tips that we uh we always say to people when they're when they're writing content and they're designing it like before you if, if you ever get stuck just like take a step back go and talk to someone about it and tell uh-huh. them what it's about because I can guarantee you you will you you will say it beautifully and you will understand and you'll probably end up in a space where you're like oh right yeah that's that is actually what I'm doing so yeah it's funny uh, it makes more sense when you talk it out loud sometimes you'd like to record yourself saying something and you think that sounded awesome I need to I need to record that I need to write that down (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) great Okay, well, I think that's going to be so useful to our listeners, Claire. Um, It's definitely a reminder, really, that when we're writing, it's to be understood and it's not to sound very clever. Um, (laughs) That's the ultimate goal, isn't it? Um, So listen, we're nearing the end of the session and you've given us so many useful nuggets of advice already and it really has been great. Um, But just before we finish up, is there a final piece of advice that you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Oh, I would say that... Your content always starts with your users. So think about how they are arriving at your content. Think about what they want from you. Um, and and also think about how they behave with it, like with in and interact with content. So a lot of us snack snack on content uh, for want of a better phrase, uh, in between things, like have a have an understanding and a sensibility of getting your user to what it is that they want to do as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and that that would be my ultimate advice I suppose snack Start on content yes. I like that I'm going to use that <laughs> as well <laughs> brilliant Claire okay well listen what a great note uh, to end the session on I guess my takeaway is that content really does as you say starts with the users the reader they're human uh, so if we make our content sound human then we're already making steps to make it more inclusive so listen thanks so much for all your great insights today it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you thank you it's been lovely chatting with you as well (laughs) great well listen a big thank you also to our listeners of course for tuning in Um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did Um, all the resources that we mentioned in our chat will be referenced in the show notes so you can catch up on anything that you've missed Um, If you'd like to learn anything more about Claire, you can visit contentdesignlondon.com. And if you'd like to learn anything more about TechSelp, you can visit techselp.com. One thing to note, you might find our new product, Reach Deck, interesting because it's already helping many organizations to keep their content simple, short and clear. So you can check that out at text.help forward slash accessible dash language. So we'll put that link in the show notes too. You don't have to take notes now. 
And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Techshop Talks on your preferred podcast player or streaming service to catch the next episode. Thanks again for listening and bye for now.